Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Cape Town. I'm your host, Tyler Huckabee. This episode is a scripted episode. We wrote this one in advance. Next week, we will be back with Ryan and Hannah to talk about Loki and some of the comics that we've read. Uh, And we look forward to seeing you then. All right, so you know how in the late spring and uh, and sort of early summer when the weather is getting warm enough and you look out over the horizon or something and you see a slight waver in the air, this sort of light fluttering shimmer, like you're looking at the sky through a sheet of water or maybe some kind of a, like a clear smoke. So obviously that, that's usually moisture from the ground evaporating into the sky, but the ancient Scandinavians had a phrase for it, and you'll have to forgive my Scandinavian here since I am not a native speaker, but it was Lake Sar Havre Idag, or literally, Loki is reaping his oats. See, Norse folklore associated Loki with this shimmer, and we don't really know why. Uh, There's a lot we don't know about the origins of Loki, actually. Some scholars think he was originally the god of fire, and others think he was actually a variant of Lucifer, a character the Norse borrowed from early Christianity and made their own. Others say he's the god of mischief, associated with the sort of like these teasing nocturnal animals. And other people even think that the Norse thought of him as a giant spider. But all scholarship agrees that he was seen as a trickster, not necessarily a malicious one, but definitely not trustworthy. Uh, You couldn't trust your eyes if Loki was around. He would challenge you to games that were rigged in his favor. He would uh, and did turn himself into a woman and seduce you and leave you with new mouths to feed. Once he even turned into a mare, got pregnant and gave birth to an eight-legged horse, the horse that became Odin's official sort of ride. Uh, and Loki had all had a lot of kids too. He had a giant wolf. He had a giant serpent. The most normal of his children ended up being the queen of hell. Uh, but in mythology, his characterization is really all over the map. Sometimes he's an irritant for the rest of the gods and he's depicted as very sly and conniving. And then sometimes he's genuinely malicious. Uh, he even helps bring around the end of the world in some ancient poems. Sometimes he's one of Thor's allies, though usually a sort of a sidekick. So for most of these scripts, we're usually talking about a couple decades worth of a character's history. And no matter how confusing it gets, and it does get pretty confusing in comics, you can usually wrap your head around the broad strokes of the publication history in 10 to 15 minutes. This one is very different. Uh, Loki's written history dates back to at least the 10th century, and most scholars think he'd been around in oral traditions since long before that. Obviously, there's a pretty sharp division between the Loki of ancient mythology and the character we're getting ready to watch on the Disney Plus superhero show, but I think you can kind of see where I'm going with this. Intentionally or not, our modern Loki comics have more in common with the ancient traditions of Loki than we might think. In 1962, Marvel Comics was on a roll. The Fantastic Four and Hulk, and especially the Amazing Spider-Man, 
were selling like crazy, and Stan Lee and Jack Kirby were cranking out new characters as fast as they could come up with them. But they'd run into an early problem. They'd created Hulk to be the strongest one there is, and they really didn't know where to go from there. Three characters in, and they'd already hit the ceiling on power levels. Comics at that time were being sold with a lot of superlatives, strongest, fastest, smartest, strangest, and Marvel Comics had kneecapped itself out of the gates. Now, Stan in interviews would later muse that he'd been thinking, and this is a quote, how do you make someone stronger than the strongest person? It finally came to me, don't make him human, make him a god. Now, as usual, Stan takes most of the credit for the creation here, and it's probably safe to say he takes a little too much. Jack Kirby noted that he'd been working at DC Comics back in the 1940s, about 25 years before this, and uh, he'd started dropping in some characters from Norse mythology into the series he was drawing over there called Venus. Uh, now, in that series, Loki looked a little more like the traditional devil character. He had little horns, and he also acted a little more like his Norse inspiration. He was kind of a, a cackling trickster and not really a formidable supervillain. He had a lot of tee-hee, tee-hee moments. However, Kirby says that he became very enamored with Norse myths, and he carried that idea over to Marvel where it was eventually used in this comic series called Journey Into Mystery that was just kind of a grab bag of different sci-fi stories every month when it came out. Thor first appeared in Journey Into Mystery issue 83. Loki would debut as his sworn enemy two issues later in issue 85. And then a few issues after that, he was revealed to be Thor's brother. Now, while both Kirby and Lee take credit for the idea, only Jack Kirby worked on Thor stories at first. The writing duties were handled by this guy named Larry Liber. He was an Air Force veteran who'd been trying to make it as an illustrator, but had ended up handling scripts instead. Liber didn't really consider himself to be much of a writer, uh, but he'd picked up some work on account of being Stan Lee's little brother. Stan's plate was full with the Fantastic Four and Spidey and the Hulk. He asked his brother Larry to work with Kirby on Thor scripting duties, and the rest is history. Kirby and Liber uh, came up with Thor and his cast of characters like Odin and Heimdall and uh, Thor staples like Asgard and the Bifrost Bridge and, yes, Loki. So at first, Loki is a pretty standard supervillain. He's got an, a very eye-catching design thanks to Kirby. Uh, Jack Kirby drew him in that, the green and yellow costume. He always liked to draw villains in secondary colors and put his heroes in primary colors. And uh, and Loki gets involved in some fairly unique heists early on. He he does seem to have that sort of mischievous mentality in, the, in his first appearance. He hypnotizes Thor. Later on, he turns New York City buildings into candy and ice cream, but he wasn't particularly distinctive. He mostly just wants to cause trouble for Thor and then gets banished back to Asgard until Avengers issue one, which was about a year after his introduction. Uh, it's probably still Loki's most notable and influential role to date. After manipulating new characters like Iron Man, Thor, Ant-Man, and the Wasp into attacking the Hulk, the heroes realize they're being played and team up to defeat Loki himself. They do such a good job at this that they decide to remain a team, and that's how the Avengers were born in the comics. 
In the ensuing years, Loki's schemes would become craftier and more sophisticated, but also occasionally more fun and imaginative. In a very celebrated run written and drawn by Walter Simonson, uh, Loki turns Thor into a frog. Loki also got a couple miniseries in the early 2000s that explored him as less of a villain and more of an agent of chaos, someone who's definitely devoted to his own ends, but he's not completely amoral or incapable of acts of courage or even heroism. In the 2010s, Loki died and was resurrected as a character named Kid Loki, a young version of himself. He became a member of the Young Avengers. Later, he became an agent of Asgard in a series by Al Ewing. And that started to explore Loki's bisexuality, a trait that had been hinted at in the past but never really explored. In fact, Loki would also become gender fluid, shifting between male and female presenting bodies depending on his mood and the needs of the situation. This is the sort of stuff that kind of you could see why this would draw cries of like wokeism in comics or an SJW manifesto making itself plain in comic books. But Loki has some of the most ancient canon of any superhero comic character. And almost as long as Loki has existed, there have been tales of him shifting into a woman's body. So if anything, this characterization of him in the comics is really just Marvel's character finally catching up to the actual canon. In the movies, Loki's transformation has been more of a moral one. He obviously was the big bad of the first Avengers movie, but he's since become a little more shifty. Not a good guy, but not a total villain either. And all of this feels like just another chapter in Loki's very, very long history now. It's always been hard to nail down just what he is, right? So from the very beginning, he's been a shapeshifter. He's a trickster. He's Thor's brother. He's the end of the world, even. He's impossible to define. Uh, but if you're outside on a particularly hot day and you look in the air in front of you and you see it shift just slightly like a wavy haze in the sky, then, well, now you know who you're seeing. Thank you so much for listening to Cape Town. We are here every week with a new discussion of a character from comic books. You can find us on Twitter at Cape Town Pod or on Facebook at Cape Town Podcast. Uh, every other week, I'm joined by my friends Ryan and Hannah. And next week, we will be discussing some of the Loki series that we're reading in preparation for the Disney Plus show. Now, we would appreciate if you do like this podcast to head over and give us a really good review on Apple Podcast or wherever you pod your casts. Those help us continue to do this uh, and we will see you next week. No need for thanks citizen. I'm Tyler Huckabee. See you soon. <laughs>